right, guys, on this episode of the podcast, we have Dominic Kasich from St. Louis, Missouri here today. I had a great conversation with him, mainly about tournament play. He's a very analytical individual. He doesn't get to travel much for tournaments, but when he does, he usually puts up pretty good showing. He's part of the Power 100, which if you don't know what that is yet, he basically can kick a lot of butt when he plays pinball. And you'll find out a lot more about that as we go on the podcast, as we touch base on not only the Power 100, we talk a little bit about Pinberg, we talk about his showing at Indisc in 2019, and we go into a little bit of discussion about mindset and the approach to to uh, different games. So I feel like this episode will have a lot of value for you and I highly encourage you to give it a listen. Other than that, you guys enjoy. All right, Dom, what's going up? We're going on, going up, going on. Not too bad, Uh, happy to be here and uh, supporting the podcast. Well, I appreciate it, especially a lot of your patience just trying to get everything set up. It's been quite the uh, past 30 minutes trying to figure (laughs) this all out. (laughs) It's all good. All right. So I told you I wasn't going to have you introduce yourself, which is true. So everybody knows that this is Dominic and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but mainly do you want to tell everybody how you got into pinball? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I'm 27 years old currently. And, um, I, I first started playing pinball probably around 2005 to even believe it or not. Um, you know, I played a lot of competitive sports growing up and um, in between in between a few of my basketball games, uh, I, m- I remember playing on a few games at the local arcade and just, you know, really enjoying it and, you know, really, really actually liking the um, the actual uh, f- physical aspect of pinball. Um, and then we bought our first game um, when my parents redid their basement in 2006. We brought a uh, Sopranos pinball machine, as, as that show was my was my dad's favorite show, and kind of once again hits on the you know the thing everyone talks about is you know theme is uh, most important for you know a pinball buying uh, you know you know in the pinball buying marketplace. Um, so I, I just played a lot of Sopranos growing up. I remember you know listening to you know when my dad was playing it, and I should have been in bed. Uh, I was listening just on the, on the basement steps watching as he advanced all the ranks and whatnot in that game. Um, and then, you know, the next year I remember driving um, in St. Louis and I saw a sign for uh, the pinball company. And uh, so you know, I went in there and uh, I met the owner, um, Nick Parks. And, uh, you know, he kind of showed me all the games that he had. And um, he introduced me to uh, Chad Keller, who was a local pinball collector at the time. And I was able to go over to his house and see all these games, I would say, you know, probably 30 to 40 games of, um, you know, all the classics in great shape, Medieval Madness, Monster Bash, Whitewater, uh, Big Bang Bar, the the list goes on and on. So I was kind of, you know, in shock, um, you know, actually getting that opportunity and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I kind of always envisioned myself, you know, hopefully having that when I when I grow older. So that's pretty much what got you into it immediately. You were just hooked as soon as you yes. saw all that stuff, weren't you? Yep. Yep. I like the physical aspect of pinball. I, I liked being able to um, control the game uh, and, and all that stuff. Uh, I, I didn't really have much interest in, you know, any other video games per se. It was, it was mostly uh, a lot of pinball and just a lot of uh, sports, uh, basketball, track, baseball, to, you know, soccer uh, and a few others, golf. 
So, yo, yeah, especially golf. So yes. basically anything you've done is just hand-eye coordination related, pretty much. Except yeah, for correct. running. I mean, come on, running. Running's not hand-eye yeah. coordination, is it? Maybe uh, it is. I don't know. Running's all about turnover. So uh, <laughs> my, my legs have quick turnover. But um, no, you're, to, you're, you're right. Uh, hand-eye coordination is, uh, is something that, you know, I, I was, you know, I, it was, uh, you know, a blessing from, from God, obviously. And, uh, you know, that's helped me a, a lot uh, in my sports and, and uh, moving on to pinball now, for sure. That's interesting. So then you, did you know at the very beginning that you were just going to end up being into competitive pinball? Was that something that you knew about immediately? Because it took no. me about a year and a half before I even knew competitive pinball even existed. It took no, me that, a while. That's it. That's a great question. So, so I, I played a lot of pinball from, you know, 2005 to, you know, 2000 and say a um, six or seven. And then once high school was, I was a freshman in high school in 2007, uh, graduated in 2011. I didn't really play much pinball other than just at home playing Sopranos. Um, and then moved off to college. And, and I remember um, probably my freshman, sophomore year, I would always go and check on, you know, on the uh, Dern website and just, you know, I, I would always check probably once every three or four quarters, hey, what's the new game coming out? Remember, I remember seeing Metallica when that came out. Um, X Men. Uh, I, I think you know those were uh, those were the um, the two games that came to mind. Uh, so I, you know, I would always get excited, but then you know in in Kirksville, Missouri, where I went to college, um, the only game was uh, Adams Family. So you know I, I played that a lot uh, in the local arcade, and then um, I would go to Columbia, Missouri, which is home of uh, the University of Missouri. It was roughly an hour and a half um, from my college. And um, I met uh, Adam McKinney there one, one night playing when I was playing uh, Adam's family. And he was the one who kind of introduced me to, you know, hey, you're, you're pretty good. Uh, have you ever heard of playing in tournaments? And I kind of looked at him, you know, was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Man? <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I, you know, he gave me his number, I believe, or Facebook or, or you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, I'm a very competitive person. So uh, I reached out to him and uh, kind of the rest is history. I've, I've learned a lot from Adam, uh, you know, since I started really in 2014 playing competitively. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of good experiences together and he's, he's helped me learn a lot um, about pinball. It's, it's funny you mentioned Adam. I had the pleasure of meeting him this past end disc and he is quite the character. Like I, yes. I, le <laughs> I legit, I saw the greatest grouping ever in the history of pinball. It was during the classics finals. I, I can't remember it was one or two, but our, uh, one of my buddies, Sam Swain, mm -hmm. he made it. It was his first ever a finals. And he was in a group with Luke Nahorniak, Adam McKinney and Eric stone. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, so legit having the intensity of Eric Stone yes. and just, you know, Adam, he is just a free spirit. I mean, the, the dude is cracking me up the whole time. So that was an inter interesting group to, to see, but also too, you guys ended up playing in a finals together in disc just the year before, correct? Yeah. In disc in uh, 2019. And it was honestly, a, you know, a dream come true. And it kind of was, you know, everything coming together for, you know, for me from a pinball standpoint, just, the, the amount of hard work that I put in, the amount of time that, you know, I spent with Adam, you know, traveling down to Columbia, traveling to Springfield, Missouri, um, you know, other tournaments in you know, 2014, 2015, 2016 timeframe, really honing in my skills and just, just learning how to become a better player. So, yeah, like you said, you know, having the opportunity to play against Adam in, 
you know, one of the um, highest level of tournaments, you know, you know, out there um, was definitely a dream come true. Yeah, I would definitely put Indisc probably just right up there, right below Pinberg in terms of prestige. And even yeah, then, no, I mean, I, that's, I would agree. That's, I, it was just, it was such a difficult tournament. I don't know how it was the year before, but it was, it, it was by far the most difficult tournament I've ever played in. It, it was very difficult. I, I, I was playing some of the best pinball I'd ever played and uh, I, I was really struggling to put five games together. I, I would have, you know, three or four solid ones and then just one that was just kind of a card ender. So, um, you know, I, I just kept battling and battling and I finally found Excalibur, a game that I never thought that, you know, I had no idea, you know, you know how to play the game going into it. Uh, but I finally gave it a try um, on Adam's suggestion, of course, because uh, he kind of he knows how I play. And um, once once I figured out that game, I was finally able to put together a card. And I think I qualified like 11th or so uh, in that tournament. Really? Yeah. And so, and for those people that don't know, Indus gets located out in California. I forget the exact banning. I think yeah, it is. Yeah. Banning California. Banning California. Great, great tournament. Yeah. Ran by uh, Carl D'Angelo, Jim Belcito and yep. Bob Matthews. Correct. That's correct. And yeah. it's, it's basically a Papa format card. So best five games, you have to put together five games in a row that beats out everybody else and your scores. I mean, it's just, it's a difficult tournament. It's such a grinder. It was by far for me. I don't know about you, Dom, but I was literally exhausted just playing in that. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I get exhausted at a lot of these tournaments just cause I, I, I love it and I, I just keep going, going and going. But, uh, in disc was, yeah, it was, it was just so exhausting just, just because, you know, you know, if you have, if you have a bad, you know, if you, if you're having a good card and then, and then you, you mess up, then you have to restart basically. Whereas another herb, you know, other herb formats, you know, you can, you can have a bad game and it, it doesn't hurt you. Um, you know, Indus really challenges you to, to make sure you're, you're playing, uh, you know, you know, all the games well in a row and it's not necessarily getting the highest score. It's, it's just, can I have, a solid game of, of five above average scores on, on a game to, to have the good card. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I, I had one card and this is after my qualifying card. As a matter of fact, I ended up or the card that helped me qualify. I ended up just absolutely blowing up meteor. I mean, I was so fired up. It was like 1.5 million on ball one. It just killed it. Right. Of course, ball two, ball three, I, do jack shit and I end up below 1.6 billion, but I was still fired up about that. And then I immediately just shit the bed the very next game. I mean, I forget even what I played. So I gave it one more game and did the exact same thing. Just totally ruined my card. Number one score gone. And that just kind of showed just how volatile that type of tournament is. Oh, it's just, for, it's so yeah, tough. For sure. I, I remember, I think it was uh, Kaylee George, um, I was watching him and he had uh, his first three games on his card was a first, a first and a third. And I, I was, I was waiting to see him, you know, ranked in the standings at first at, you know, or whatnot, but it, it turns out, I don't know if he lost focus or what, but he, he ended up, you know, that card didn't end up counting for him. It, you know, the last two games were just, uh, you know, he must've just house house balled or something, but uh, his, that card didn't count, which was just amazing. Really? Just yeah. totally just ditched the card. He did, yes. After a oh, first, a first, and a third. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those weird things. You learn pretty quick, unless you're Elwin or maybe Raymond Davidson, but you learn pretty quick how just to say void 
Like I learned yeah. that was in my vocabulary so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, you definitely want to avoid, but at the same time, you know, I, I always, if you are having a bad card, you know, the last two or three games, if you're having a bad card, it can't hurt just to go play other games and see, you know, Hey, is, is this game an opportunity for me um, on, on my next card? Yeah. And that's, that's very true. And I was curious to know kind of what your strategy was at the very beginning of that. And mm -hmm. I definitely want to hit back onto how you started out in tournament pinball and all this, but I, yeah. I want to lean into this a little bit more because I found when I play any tournament, if it's herb or especially even five card or pop a card, I will, I tend to use my very first entry or my first card yeah. just on games that I know I want to play, but yet I'm using it for practice. Like I'm finding out the geometry where the tilt is where the yep. shots are. That's what I tend to do. I don't, how do you approach it? You know, I'm the same way. I, I, you know, I, I play a lot of the modern games. Obviously I have more access to those and you know, I'm able to, to go to a lot of, a lot of my local collectors houses and, and, and they love me just to just, you know, hammer and bash on these games. So, which, you know, it's, it's nice. So when I go to a tournament, I, I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, all the newer games. Uh, if I remember correctly for that tournament, it was uh, pirates of the Caribbean. Um, the new the Jersey Jack, right? Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. The new one from Jersey Jack. Um, I want to say Cue Ball Wizard was one that I, I, I liked playing and I was comfortable on. Um, Iron Maiden was was one. And uh, after that, it was kind of just like, you know, a hodgepodge of games that I wasn't too familiar with, honestly, which, um, you know, can be challenging, but at the same time, you know, it, it opens up a lot of options for me in, in terms of, of figuring out. Uh, which games, you know, are best suited for my capabilities and how I play the game. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I imagine besides the locals from that scene, I imagine everybody else that's coming in, they probably feel a lot of the same way. They're playing because Indisc is notorious for having games that typically you don't find at tournaments. I mean, that's yes. Rescue 911 was one of them this year. And I yeah, remember us talking yeah. Yeah, talking about it before the tournament even started. As soon as I saw it was announced, I told you immediately, I'm like, this is going to be the longest <laughs> playing game. Once everybody figures out what yeah. to do, we're going to be there forever. And it turns out, like I sat there and I watched Elwin play for at least half hour. And then Zach Sharp, half hour, Kaylee George, half hour. And I get up there, I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing. Three minutes later, I'm like, I'm not going to do the same thing. <laughs> it's yeah. just, but it's amazing what some of those players can do. No, it, sure. it is. And, and, they're really good at, at handling pressure and, and they're really good at understanding, you know, what they're good at and their strengths. Um, you know, the, if you watch Keith play, if you watch Kaylee Bowen, they're, they're Eric Stone, they're all, they're all, you know, very calm when they're playing and um, they're, you know, all their flipper skills and, and just how patient they are and, and with their nudging and stuff, it's, it's high level and it's, it's fun to watch. And, and that's why they are the best in the world. And um, I definitely watch a lot of, of Keith Ellen videos and, um, and Kaylee and, and Bowen as well, just to, you know, you know, basically see, Hey, how, how are they playing the game? And basically when I'm watching their videos, I'm in, in my head, basically playing the game with them, you know, would I dead bounce in this situation? Would I do a live catch? Would I do, you know, a live post catch, you know, would I do a tip pass, all, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think just kind of walking through, that process and trying to put myself in their shoes um, has helped me tremendously in terms of, you know, how fast I've been able to reach, uh, you know, the highest level of competitive pinball. Yeah. I was about to say you, you don't really get to travel too much nationally. You stay more regional, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 
recently I've just, I've been so busy with work and stuff. It can be challenging. Uh, 2019 and 18, I, I did get out and travel a little bit. Um, I, I didn't, I don't really get much opportunity to play in the local scene. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, there are some good locations here. I just, uh, you know, I, I like, I do other things. I, I have a fiance. I like to spend time with her. Um, I like to play golf. So there, there always seems to be other things coming up um, on, on, on weekend tournaments locally. See, now I got to hope my wife doesn't hear this. If she, <laughs> if she hears somebody else saying, I'm spending time with my fiance instead of pinball, I'm up Shit's Creek, Dom. I can't let her know about that. But no, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that though earlier. It's um, So for those that don't know, you're a power 100 player, which means that you have a winning record against anybody that's ranked inside the 250 in the world, correct? Yep, yep that's correct. And which, I, I, like I said, I'd love to get my ranking up and, and be a little higher. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm, the access to, to, you know, how many tournaments can I go to uh, in a year is just, you know, makes it challenging and stuff. Right. But I don't think I've ever had a, I think I've qualified uh, in every major tournament I've, I've played in, um, uh, you know, assuming qualifying in a division for Pinburg is, it counts, you know what I mean? Hey, it counts for me. I, <laughs> my ass was down in C division. <laughs> I just shit the bed day one. So oh, yeah, gosh. that's, that totally counts. Yeah. Now we're bringing back bad memories. Dom. Can't, can't do it. Well, but, that's, that's why you're not in the power uh, 100, unfortunately. And oh you, you my won't gosh. be for the next two, two years. Uh, oh, so yeah. yeah all, all, all the listeners of, of this show <laughs> do not play in, or if you're going to play in a tournament, make sure that you're putting your full effort into that tournament. Um, and if, you know, if you're going to play a classics tournament on the side, uh, you know, at least from a rating standpoint, I, I recommend putting, putting your full effort into it. So, uh, you know, if you don't just play the minimum number of games and finish a hundredth, that can really impact your, your top power 100 rankings. If that's something you care about. <laughs> that's very true. And it, it's, it's funny you mentioned that for those that don't know what we're referencing, there's two tournaments that happens at Pinburg. Well, that happens at Replay FX. One of them's Pinburg. The other one is, I think it's called Intergalactic. Yep, the Intergalactic. Right? Yep. Which is, I, I honestly forgot how it runs. I think it's a herb. You get 20 entries or something like that. It's a limited herb it format. 10? Yep. I think it's 10. 10. Okay, 10. See, I didn't even use all of them. So what happened, guys, is I bought all my entries and I was like, yeah, I'm going to play everything. And day one, I, I didn't even think, I didn't even play bad. I just just shot like I was Ray Charles. Like I legit played like I was a blind person playing pinball. I'd get a ball and a flipper. I would just miss a shot. I was under control. There was no nerves. I just couldn't hit anything. I picked the worst time to play. So essentially I had my, my intergalactic tickets also. And I played, I think two games total, three games. And finally I was just like, F it, can't do it. I'm going to go grab a beer. And then one beer turned into two two turned into three. And I was like, you know what? I am not going back. And I didn't think anything of it. And I took fourth to last. It <laughs> just yeah. torpedoed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Totally uh, torpedoed it. Yeah. If you want to be in the power 100 and you're going to Pinburg, it's, it's, yeah, you, you have to do, you have to do pretty well there. If you can qualify for a, you, you should, you know, that should help your power 100 for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, that's something I would like to do, but just like you said, I've got to wait long time so i guess yeah it, and i thought i was going the right direction until all these tournaments got just canceled and i still i remember you or i remember telling you after free play because i didn't play classics at all there because we mm -hmm. talked about this i'm like i'm not playing classics i'm just going to focus on main 
And then I told you and I told a couple others, if you see me trying to play classics at Indisc, tell me no, stop yeah. me. I need an intervention. And everybody tried to stop me on game one. And next thing I know, game one turns into about 12 games. <laughs> and finally, I'm just like, screw it. I'm not qualifying. I'm done. And then again, I did the same thing again where I, I fall way down. Everybody else is up. I do decent in the main, but yeah, it just, you're right. It doing that type of strategy. If you're wanting to be power 100, it's yeah, there, not going to work. There's definitely, yeah, definitely a lot of strategy involved. And I, there's tournaments where I do play classics, but you know, that that's an area where I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to get a lot better at. And, uh, you know, I've had success playing in some classics, you know, I think Cleveland or Buffalo maybe. Um, yeah. That's actually where we met too. During yep, classics. Yeah, yep. Well, we played in both main together and classics, didn't we? I think we, we did. We yeah. were both grouped up. Okay. Yep. And we split it one to one, but we I guarantee you, it, but classics, I just got, I got annihilated. <laughs> Dom killed me. It's, it's, that's just the truth. It was, it was so bad because I did the same thing. You witnessed me probably doing the same thing. I got stuck on, I think it was jungle queen, jungle queen yeah. during, yeah, during qualifying. And all I had to do is get over, I think it was 80,000 or 90,000. I say that's all it's close to rolling it. And I ended up spending, I thought it was just going to take me two games. Next thing I know, it's three hours later and I'm the only one queued up on this damn game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. I remember thinking to myself, I think you were wearing a Yankees hat and I, I hadn't yep. really met you at the time until, until we actually met in the, in our playoffs a couple hours later, I was thinking to myself, this guy is just relentless on this jungle. Queen game. <laughs> I can't help it. I just, I get a one track mind. If I, especially at a herb event, if I know I can beat the game. Yep. I'm going to try to beat the game. It's just the same way at free play Florida. I did the same thing on grand prix. I ended yep. up stuck on there and it's funny cause I was already qualified for a, but I knew that I could get into the top five scores. And I knew if I did that, I would have the buys for the next day. Oh, yeah, so I really wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those things I had full bonus on my second game and somehow I got a tilt out of the pop bumpers like it was in the pops <laughs> and the damn thing tilted full bonus everything Ugh. and i was just raging so hard i ended up playing it like 18 more times i swear i paid enough money dom in tickets i could have just took the damn game home with me <laughs> it was so terrible oh man but that's the way it goes though i mean it's just it is and there's there's some tournaments where you know things that you get off to a hot start and you're fine and i, I can go over and play some classics games and other tournaments where, where that's not the case and I'm stuck over at, at Maine trying to qualify to get my points for the, you know, the, uh, you know, the actual circuit. So. Yeah. And that's, it's, that's one of those things where I wish I had Elwin's talents where he just walks in and immediately just goes beast mode on every game in there and just leaves. He's just, yep. he's good. He's done. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, the best way to do it. And, uh, we're all striving to get there, but, uh, just, it takes a lot of practice. I'm sure if you asked him, he, he played a lot growing up and his practice and his fine tuned, uh, you know, his profession. For sure. So then let's kind of circle back here. What was one of the first big tournaments that you played at? Uh, the, uh, Louisville arcade expo in 2016, I think was my first, or first, uh, Stern pro circuit event. And was uh, that, was that Stern pro circuit then, or was that the Papa? That was, then? that's a good question. I think that was still the last year of the Papa format. Um, okay. I, I, I think that's, that was the case there. But no, I, I really enjoyed that event. I, I thought it was well run by all the people at Papa. You know, they they brought their games down there, and you know, I think they 
had the broadcasting and stuff. So it was, it was always a great tournament to go to. Um, it was only four hours away from St. Louis and it worked out great uh, in the schedule in early March. So hopefully that one can come back uh, at some point because I, I thought it was really a great way to to be a Kickstarter for the Stern Pro Circuit um, year, each year. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to figure out actually just a couple of weeks ago. I can't, I couldn't find out if they had just stopped doing the convention altogether or just stopped doing the tournament. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I, I, I heard that the, you know, the, the show still goes on. Um, I, I think that you know something happened with with the tournament. I'm not sure if it was the organi- organizers of the tor- tournament or or Papa, but um, yeah, it's as of I think last year was the first year that it was not on the circuit. Really, it's just crazy yeah. how that happens, and that's all uh, herb formats, right? Correct. Yep. Out that way. Yep. Then what? So you said every. I, I remember us talking about this off off camera, but you. I've played, in, I've played in three Louisville Arcade Expos, 2016, 17, and 18, and I, I finished 12th all three years. So I, 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 I was, you know, qualifying an A, and I was, I was winning, uh, you know, a group or two, and um, just, yeah, I, I was never, never able to get to the actual semis. I think the only time I've gotten to the semis was, uh, before, or I think it was Pinvasion was the first time. I think it took seventh in 2018, maybe. And then uh, obviously in disc, it was my, was my breakthrough and getting all the way to uh, the finals of that tournament. Yeah. So took 12, three times in a row. Did you just, just plan that out? I, honestly, I didn't even really look at it until I, I, I was looking at my, uh, you know, at my IFPA scorecard and um, it just kind of <laughs> worked out, man. You know, like finish, sh- finishing between, you know, the, I guess, uh, nine through 12th place or I would imagine. So crazy that's if anything you're consistent yes very so that's a good thing <laughs> well also too we were talking about power 100 earlier and one of the yep. reasons why that's important for those that are listening is that i think it's josh sharp right he hosts yeah he hosts at, at his right? house and and honestly i mean i i just you know it was it was the same weekend as expo so i, I went up there early just to you know to, i just wanted to play and, and see kind of how high it was against you know you know the other the other top guys against against the top players and honestly, I mean, maybe outside of Pimberg, but uh, I mean, even this tournament, though, like I, I was, everyone in that tournament was just super high, high skill level. There was not, there wasn't anyone there who should not have been there. So, um, you know, I, I learned, I learned a ton from all those guys and just watching them play. And uh, I made a pretty good run. I was, I, I think I was in the lead most of the time, actually. And I ended up uh, taking fourth or I think fourth or fifth. And that was out of? About 19, uh, 20, 21 players or something, yeah, like, something that? like that. Yeah, something like that. So I, I was, I was ecstatic. Uh, ended up, I think Escher ended up winning with his amazing game of like Walking Dead. He just blew it up. And then I think Alex and uh, Josh Sharp also finished ahead of me. Yeah, it's just, and that's one of the tournaments that I really wish that it would be showcased a lot more. Cause like you said, there's such high level play happening right there, especially since you have all Power 100 players there. Everybody can flat out just play yeah something i I wish they would show it a lot yeah and i think wasn't it dead flip i think was showing or somebody was supposed to show it and i was supposed to show it ended up yeah not happening and you know i I think you know the the tournament lasted a little longer than i think it was supposed to it ended up up pushing some events back and or some (laughs) matchups back in uh uh, the expo tournament yeah i remember i remember something about that but i will say if this ever happens again i assume it will we'll have a power 100 again I'll be more than happy 
show up and broadcast it because <laughs> the way that I've been playing, that's the only way I'm going to actually get into it. <laughs> short of just setting a launcher in Josh's yard. So yeah, it's I'll offer up the ability to go ahead and stream it. But yeah, it's uh, I'm sure he I'm sure he'd be willing. That's well, he probably has an amazing collection. Down it, it was too, it was I don't know how many games. It was probably 25, 30 games, uh, all all in great condition. Um, all eras of games. It was yeah, no complaints for me. It was an amazing day. And uh, I, I learned a lot from all those guys uh, there playing. So what was the, what would you say is the big difference between playing those caliber of players to playing somebody that might be listening that's, that knows that they're average to slightly above average? What would you yeah, say? So, I mean, everyone, first of all, has, has, has great rules knowledge. They, they understand what to shoot. Um, they understand, you know, what shots can lead to um, potential drains and whatnot. Um, a lot of players really slow it down in, in high level competition, uh, especially, you know, in the heat of the moment, I, I think the people who slow it down the most and, you know, really concentrate on controlling the ball and hitting their shot. And, and then once again, you know, actually getting the ball back in control. Um, you see a lot of that, um, the accuracy of, of shooters in the power 100 and just all the top players is, is much higher than the average person. Um, you know, that they're probably hitting a ramp shot 90% of the time, uh, when they're shooting at it versus maybe a casual is more like, you know, 40 to 50% of the time. So, you know, when, when you're, when you add those things up and just, you know, all, you know, if you bring everything together, um, you know, that's why those guys are the, are the best in the world. Yeah. And that's, that's something that we've talked about a lot too. And I've always theorized also that if you mix in the ability to nudge or just keep a ball in play with yep. control, with accuracy. I mean, it's just, it's deadly. It's, it's hard to beat. Yep. Nudging is, is super important. It's still, it's probably, I would say one of the last things that kind of comes, uh, you know, it comes naturally to people and it, it is still something that I am working on. And, and I don't, I will admit that I don't nudge enough. I don't take enough dangers, uh, on, on the machines I'm playing. Um, I mean, cause if you watch some of these guys, they're willing to actually take, you know, a double danger early in the ball. If that means I still have the ball. Cause then, you know, if, you know, a ball, a ball is a, is a, is a life basically. Um, so, you know, if they still have, have three balls and, you know, and, you know, if they start shooting accurate and, and, you know, starting to rack up the score on double danger, obviously that's the way to go versus just letting the ball drain, which yeah, I, it, I, I sometimes can, I can do that sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because the name that comes to mind immediately with that is uh, Luke Nahorniak. He is notorious yep. for having a hybrid style to where sometimes he'll be in control. Sometimes he'll be playing on the fly yet. Somehow he's still in control and then he'll just yep. shake the shit out of the machine and yep. somehow not tilt. Yeah. No, if you, if you watch, if you watch Luke closely at, at Herb formats, you know, when he's stepping up to a game, um, he, you know, if he's, you know, he might've had a couple bad balls at first, he's, he's always nudging that machine and trying to get a, a sense of where that tilt is. Yep. And he, he's not doing that to, you know, he's not, he's not doing that because he's mad. He's doing that to learn where the tilt is for when he does play the next game. He, he understands, you know, what can I get away with? What can't I get away with? So, you know, once he understands that and gets a feel, you know, he can, he can, he can get more comfortable. The more comfortable somebody gets, you know, obviously the higher the score they're most likely going to achieve. Definitely. Well, were you there with me at free play whenever he, uh, came over and discovered what was going on with Joker Joker Poker. Oh yeah. I was, I was there. <laughs> yeah. He's, 
that was hilarious. Uh, for those that don't know, I don't think we've ever told the story. And I'll just tell it briefly because I'll let Luke really explain what was going on. But I just remember we were over by Classics and he came over to us and he was excited. This was like a kid that just woke up on Christmas morning and saw that he just didn't get one bike. He got like two or three of them. And he was like, there's no tilt on Joker Poker. I'm just, I'm going to have my way with it. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to get the top score. And not even 30 minutes later, I'm watching him. And he was shaking the pin so much <laughs> that the back box just came flying. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, he didn't if, get a danger no tilt but hey it's the same it's the same thing game. for everyone that's it's just you're trying to get an edge on the field at, at some you know at some point in that tournament in those type of tournaments he found it yeah it was probably one of the funniest things i've seen <laughs> but by far just seeing somebody seeing an elite player nudging the machine so much that the back <laughs> box or whatever starts to come off he stops traps up and kind of holds it to push it back that's, that's crazy yeah i mean usually usually or sorry um, in most cases um obviously the tilts are, are going to be a lot tighter in in these higher level tournaments in order to um have lower ball times uh for all these top level players yeah it's well even down a free play i felt like that the tilts were very generous like it didn't really feel like anything was super tight i remember when we I think were Guard, i think guardians was the only one that i felt like it was very tight yeah, Guardians played weird too because they had the uh, the flippers that were kind of I guess Very inverted shallow. shallow yep. Yes, because yep. so all the shots were just just really funky. Really yeah, funky. It was, it was a weird game for sure. That was probably I think in qualifying I got right around nine hundred fifty million, and that was probably the best Guardians game I've ever played in my life. And I <laughs> I own one, and it just it took everything in me just to get to that. I think you ended up then saying hold my beer and you got like 1.6 yeah i had a, a really good uh cherry bomb multi-ball and if i think i think greg pavarelli was watching it. I, I got really lucky on on the kick out from quills quest i need like four more shots to quills to light to light you know to finish the mode and then ultimately light cherry bomb and i i didn't i literally did not flip the flipper i it just kept kicking out and somehow would, would go off the left flipper right flipper and then somehow would go back in the hole Really? And it happened four straight times and I was like, holy cow. And then it started cherry bomb. I had all my multipliers lit and it was just point moment <laughs> from there. So then you probably even completed quills, like the yep. second one. <laughs> I completed quills and I think I started cherry bomb on the same. It was, yeah, it was very lucky. <laughs> God. Well, you know, it happens like that. That's fine. I mean, sometimes you got to have a little luck. Oh, there's always a little luck in pinball for sure. Well, the big thing about it is too, is that you know, and that's a prime example that I'm a firm believer that you've got to create your own luck when it comes to pinball. If you're able to get deep into the game, then you'll still, the longer you're keeping the ball alive, obviously the more that you're going to have happen for you. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's a prime example. And I think that game too is funny because I know I played it. I picked it once in finals. Didn't you, did you play it the round before? Uh, I, I did, right. and I, th I think we played it as well in our group, and yeah. we were all right around twenty million. And you took you took the win, and that kind of vaulted you into a good position to you know the rest of the the round. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what happened. I think, well, you know what? I think Bowden won that game for us. I think oh it was yeah, Grand Prix Bowden, I got, yeah, Bowden yeah. won. And I think I got really lucky because I think I only beat your score like by. 400, I don't Something. think it was even that. Yeah, it was. I don't it think was it was even small that. Amount. It was one shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. It it just it goes like that sometimes. That, that's pinball for sure. Well, were you in the game? I can't remember because I know the round before the winning score for some group was like eighteen million. 
That's correct. Yeah. Something like that. And that's, I mean, that's the way it goes. And it goes to show you that even though you're playing with elite players or other players are playing, obviously that sometimes just a mediocre score is good enough. It just, it goes like yeah. that sometimes no, that, as well. That, that's what makes pinball awesome. And you're, you're playing head to head against three other people in most cases. And it's just, you know, who, who's executing the shots better and, and who, who has a better strategy um, heading into the game and ultimately who's able to adjust their strategy throughout the game, depending on circumstances of, you know, player scores and, um, you know, other, other things going on. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. And especially the way that that guardians was set up with the flippers kind of sagging it's yeah. i i found myself because i like to backhand the orb shot a lot yeah, and i found difficult. it yeah it was really hard on that and i just i got hard headed and i tried it again and i got lucky i found it but legitimately that shot was nearly at the joint yep like as soon as i released i was immediately just flipping it right back up and i got really lucky finding that shot that early because it was i mean it played difficult I think Stone ended up getting in the finals like 600 million on it. Yeah, it was a great, great score. Yeah, and he made it look easy. And what a lot of people don't realize, that would have been probably a top 10 score all weekend long on something that was in a Herb event. Yeah, if you if you watch finals of tournaments, uh, you know, that, that's not uncommon to where, you know, a few of the highest scores of that tournament happened to, happened to occur in the finals. And it's, 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 it's mostly because these guys are focused in very focused in, you know, mm -hmm. when you play in a herb format, you know, it's very easy to lose focus just because, you know, you can always play another game. Uh, when, when these top players are focused in and, and they know they have to get a certain score, they, they, it, it's, it's pretty cool and amazing to, uh, to watch. And, and they usually can, can actually get to those scores and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's funny that that final at free play, I'm trying to remember who, who all was in it. I think it was, uh, it was Bob Matthews. It was Eric Stone. Um, was, was Luke nor was Luke in the finals? No, he, I think he got eliminated early on. Derek gotcha. price. I know he was. Oh yeah. Derek, Derek price. Yeah. Who is the other one? Who are we missing? Missing uh, one person. Yeah, I, was it, was it Carl? Oh, it was Carl. Carl. Carl D'Angelo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm remembering now. And yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that too. It's just different players have all kinds of different strategies as well and different styles of gameplay. And I still remember watching uh, Bob Matthews play Black Knight and he, it was the craziest thing. He was... I yeah, I, I had a hard time watching, but but the ball was still alive. So it's yeah, it, it, every everyone can play different. It, that's yeah, kind of how, how Bob plays, and uh, he's he's comfortable, and that and that's kind of uh, you know in, in that in that type of play. So it works for him. Yeah, and that's a great example of it. Like my heart, that was <laughs> watching him play. That was the most my heart rate went up all yes. weekend long. <laughs> Yet the ball stayed in play. He did the same thing to us the previous round. Uh, on Tron, he was going yep. disc all day. And yep. I mean, he crushed it. And then I was the idiot because I was driving the bus and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pick Volley against Bob <laughs> Matthews. Yeah, that was that was smart. <laughs> just yeah, no, totally it's, just... it's it's truly amazing how, how good Bob is. Just, just, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's older. And, and obviously the older you get, the, you know, the, you know, your hand-eye coordination goes down and, you know, he's probably not playing as much as, as, as some of these other people and, and whatnot. He might not know, know all the rules, but, uh, you know, he sure seems to find himself in a lot of, a lot of semis and finals of major tournaments. So he's doing something right. Yeah. He's an exceptional player. I mean, it's, and that's something too, especially when we're talking about different types of ways to play it's, I find it very interesting to watch him play because it's, 
it's odd. It, the odd part to me is, is that it feels like he's reversed compared to a lot of players where mm -hmm. players that are very controlled on moderns, they may not be as controlled on EMs or solid states. And he is just complete he's, control. He's the opposite. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. yeah. When you watch him play an EM, um, I mean, I can tell he played those growing up because he, he knows exactly what to do. And, um, yeah, that ball's under control. It's, it's, it's a really fun thing to watch. Yeah. I need, I need to learn that. I had a lot of fun <laughs> watching that free play as I got eliminated. <laughs> but that's the way it goes, but it is. yeah. So, you know, it, and it's interesting too. I quite often wonder in terms of some of these players, I need to ask around more about people's comfort levels with classics, with moderns and the way I operate, I love playing classics. I mean, you can tell behind me, I have some classics, yep. but it's so weird. If I play in tournaments, I love doing it, but I know I'm not any good at them. And I yeah. just I can't, I, I'm trying to crack that egg still and figure sure. out what my style is for that. For sure. And the good thing with some of those games is that they are more simple. So, you know, you, if you have enough time, you, you can watch, you know, the best players, you know, like Phil Birnbaum, uh, Bob, you know, Eric Stone when they're playing classics and you can kind of, you can kind of get a sense of what they're doing and just kind of replicate that. Honestly, that's, that's what I try to do as much as I can when I'm playing classics games. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why I did not play the target classics at Indus this year. I knew better then until I got there. And then I started playing the classics obviously there, but yeah, watching, uh, watching our Bob play, not Bob Matthews, but Bob Caldwell watching him play classics was probably one of the most fun times I've had in pinball. Yeah, no, he, he has, <laughs> he has fun playing pinball and, uh, you know, there's some times where he's under control and, and a lot of times he just says, screw it. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> for it. And, uh, that, that's kind of his mojo and it, it's worked well for him. He's, he's kind of, he's done very well at large tournaments. Um, and yeah, he's, he's held his own for sure. He's another, uh, the, his quote to ride the lightning. Oh, yeah. up every time and he means it too he's, he does he does <laughs> that's just i mean and it's a unique skill to have too and it's you know and that goes into it as well that that's what i enjoy about pinball especially from the competitive side that if you're top level tournaments you cannot hide from classics you have to either know how to play classics or do well on classics whether it's yeah. at indisc or pinberg you just you can't hide from it no, it's yeah. If you if you can't play them or if you can't play them well, you're you're screwed. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, and and I think a lot of the, a lot of time is a lot of people. I feel like you know they'll get banks at Pinburg and then they're like, oh, this bank this bank sucks. You know, their you know their attitude is so negative heading into it that you know the chances of them doing well are so low. Whereas you have to remember, everyone else is playing the exact same games as you everyone else probably has not played those games. And if they have, it's been a very, very long time. So, you know, in, in a Pinberg type of format, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, trying, trying to, you know, to actually do better than the person that I'm playing with. And whether if that's finding one shot that I'm comfortable with and just to keep doing that, you know, that might be the case in order for me to, to get three points or, in, you know, someone just says two points if someone else blew it up. Um, there's, there's a lot, a lot that goes into it besides just, just, you know, actually stepping up to the game and, and flipping away and playing. Yeah. And especially a tournament like that, every point absolutely matters. Oh, hundred you know? percent. I missed out by, I think two points, um, just last year and I, I didn't even play that well, but just, you know, there, there's so many points I just left out there. I mean, I, I, I used to own a Hobbit and I got a zero on that game and, 
you know, just instances like that where it's like, you know, I lost my focus. I mean, I, I was, I got too comfortable and I, I kind of just, you know, I thought that, Hey, this would be an automatic two or three. And it just, it wasn't the case. So you, you have to really stay focused and, and treat every ball and, and every game, um, you know, super seriously. And it, it, that's what's hard to do, but that's what makes the format so fun. Yeah. I mean, that it's so true too. It, it just, it shows you how important, not just each game is, but like you said, every single ball. Yep. there because just one ball can make or break whether it's you know tilting away bonus like i was playing and i think this was during day two when i was doing qualifying for the awesome c division we were, we were doing so great <laughs> but, but we were playing i want to say it was high hand or is an em and i just remember somebody it might not even been high hand it might have been another em but i remember somebody was playing and they were legitimately in second place they needed the first place in order to vault them up a little bit higher in the standings, but they ended up nudging too hard until end of game. Oh geez. And that was on ball three of a five ball game. So yeah. yeah, that just goes to show you just a lapse in judgment right there of knowing that you don't even need to worry about it. Just keep the ball in play, play on pins yep. and needles. But at that point, cause you've done the hard work and you know, situations like that, I can imagine how frustrating that no, could be and sure. how that could for affect sure. you going to the next game. 100% and there's there's yeah I mean it's easy it's very easy to have a lapse in judgment when you're playing that many balls and that many games but kind of what I do is you know I, I step up to a game and I take a deep breath and I might wait five or ten seconds before punching the ball to make sure I'm, I'm mentally there I have an understanding of what I, I plan to do on the ball and you know having an understanding of if I do tilt or how much can I tilt and if I do tilt does it end the end the game and if that's the case I I, I might not you know I might not nudge the machine as much uh, on on balls one two and three whereas on you know four and five depending on where I'm at in the game uh, you know I can I can I know I can get a little bit more aggressive yeah and that makes that makes total sense and that's it's it's very important too that you kind of alluded to, to make sure that whenever you are stepping up to a game, for me, I like knowing where the shots are that I'm capable of hitting yep. as well. So that's, that's really important. And Pinburg is just, it's a different, you know, a different beast also that you're not going to have, you're going to have wide open out lanes. You're not going to have rubbers on yep. the end lanes or anything like that or on the post. So yep. no, it's, all, it's, all it's, a, it's important. a tournament. I've, I said to people before, it's a tournament of adjustments. I mean, I, I would say for, for EMs and, and the older games, the first two balls are, are probably me just getting a feel for the machine and the shots. And then it's the same with moderns. It might take me a ball or two to get used to the shots and the flippers. And, and that's just kind of how it is, but it's, it's the people who can adjust, uh, adjust quickly and, and, you know, in between balls instead of in between games, uh, you know, who are the ones who are ultimately going to be doing the best. You hit the nail on the head. Where were you during Pinburg for me? I needed that <laughs> advice. Somewhere around round three, when I came yeah. back from dinner and I put up a three, I think just torpedoed it, my day. Yeah, it, it can happen. It's yeah, it's such a tough tournament, but that, that's what makes it awesome. But um, now if you look at, at people like Keith, you know, it's a tough tournament, but, but that guy's won that thing like four or five times. So obviously, you know, it does bring out the best players. He is so good that he's able to be in finals and lay down on the stage. Yeah, just just relax. He's, he's comfortable. He's, he's, he's been there before he's done it. Um, nothing phases him, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm sure at one point things might've phased him, but, uh, he's, he's got to the level of, you know, he, he's, he's the ultimate professional and he's, 
he's it's just like any other sport. He's he's at the top of uh, you know of, of he's the top player in the world. It's simple as that. Yeah, and it's just I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see how long he'll be able to keep that mantle because there's so many good young players. So many good young players. It's yeah, just... no, and these young guys. Um, I yeah, I remember. Um, I spent a lot of time with Escher Lefkoff at uh, the Expo, Chicago Expo last year, and um, just at the Power 100 and at, and at the the show. And the way he thinks is uh, is just it's unbelievable. He he the way he he understands multipliers and just understands you know, adjusting in, in the game and just like while the ball is moving, he, he just knows everything. And it's, it's, yeah, it's truly amazing. That kid, that kid's skills are, are top notch and he understands rule sets and uh, yeah, his hand-eye coordination is, is crazy, but his brain thinks differently than, than anyone I've seen in pinball. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things too, that obviously he's well-prepared before yes. he even steps up to a pin. Like yep. he knows it inside and out. Yep. You can tell, so yep. if he's having to make in-game adjustments on the fly, he yep. doesn't have to even think about it. It feels like it feels like it's automatic a For lot sure. of times. And, and it helps that he's he played from a young age. I mean, you can you see pictures his dad posts on, on Facebook. Um, you know, he's starting at, at age two and three. So, you know, that goes a long way. I think that's kind of how I was able to to you know to really to really get good quickly is that I I started at you know age thirteen or fourteen. So, you know, it's still a pretty young age and I've had a lot of time to, to watch video and to improve my skill. Um, so, I mean, if you think about someone like him, who's been doing it since he's two or three, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think about, you know, the sky's the limit for, for him. Yeah. And I think you definitely, you made a great point earlier when you were talking about that you would watch top level players play mm -hmm. at least on online. And then you yeah. would kind of play the game along with them. And it's funny that you mentioned that because it instantly brought back memories from back when I was in baseball. When I was a young kid, I would actually watch the Cubs on TV with a bat in my living room to my mom's chagrin. And I would just watch the pitches being thrown. And if it's a strike, I'd take a hack at it. If it was a ball, i just act like I was taking a pitch. And it was, it was almost like building up that database, even though I couldn't yeah. actually track the ball from that angle, obviously, but I was consciously thinking about and visualizing whether it was going to be a strike, where the movement was. And I didn't, I took that for granted because I was just doing that because it was fun, yep. not because I felt like I was practicing for anything bigger. But I really do think that there's something there to it. And I almost feel like that's something that I'm, I'm personally underutilizing right now that I do watch a lot of tournament pinball. Yep. And I find myself sometimes thinking about what I would have done, but I'm often thinking about that after the fact and not yep. during the fact. And I think that's, that's a great insight that you're no, providing. For sure. and, and, and that's, yeah, I encourage everyone who's, you know, who's getting into competitive pinball to, to really watch these videos. Um, you know, the, all the pop videos that Bowen did, they're amazing. I mean, and, and you're watching quality content, the entire, the entire video that that's, that's some of the issue I see with, you know, streaming these tournaments and just going back to rewatch it. There's a lot of, of content that's just it's just not it's not it's not great there's, a, there's just a lot of filler time between balls um you know whatnot but the videos that that bowen did um the videos that uh carl d'angelo is doing right now um you know they're they're edited videos of high level play with a purpose and and i think that's you know i would love to see more of that in pinball i know that you know, that's something that you're working on uh you know actually bring into the hobby which which i'm looking forward to you know, seeing how that progresses, but no, the, the, the video analysis of pinball is, is something that, um, I think a lot of people 
uh, aren't doing enough of. And it's, it's, um, it's how I've gotten so good at pinball um, so quickly is I, I don't play much pinball. Honestly, I, I watch a lot of pinball and I watch a lot of high level pinball. Well, even then I have you, have you told anybody when was the last time you played pinball right before Indisc when you made uh, a run to the finals? No, I, I have not. So yeah, I, I made Indisc finals in January, 2019. Um, I think, I was probably off two or three months before that. Didn't, didn't really touch a machine, but, uh, I would watch video though. I'd watch, I'd watch videos of Keith and, there you and go. Bowen and whatnot. And just to keep my, my skills honed, but no, I, I, I didn't play much, much pinball during that time. And, and see, for me, that's just kind of how I, it's kind of how I roll. Honestly, I, I would love to play more, but I understand that, that I can't, I have other things in my life that, um, are more important at times. So, uh, you know, I, I try my best to, to put myself in positions to succeed and just ultimately I, I enjoyed the competitive nature and going to these tournaments and competing at the highest level. Yeah. And that's amazing that you were able to do that after taking all that time off. Cause I felt like before tournaments, I have to play nonstop yeah. to stay in the zone, to yeah. either go over rule sets, to figure out what I'm going to do. It's, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just kind of the way my brain works. Yeah, for sure. I know, like I said, I wish I could play more, but I, there are days when I, when I do play and, and kind of my, my mindset there is, you know, I'll just play for six straight hours. I'll go over to my friend Larry's house and he'll let me just play all of his brand new, new and box Stern games, LEs. And, you know, I, I just go to town on him. He lets me, he'll let me take off the glass. If I want to, he'll let me just, he'll let me play. And, you know, that's, it's awesome to have, but uh, you know, I'll just hammer it out for six hours and, um, that's all I need. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. And I know we've talked about that a lot, uh, in the past that the way that I don't know how you approach a game in terms of learning a rule set or remembering a rule set. I just know that whenever I'm thinking about how to utilize the rule sets that I know, if I know there's a certain game that we have to play or a certain bank of games, I yeah. know I like finding a roadmap through yeah, that for game sure. to progress yep. through. Yeah. And I, I know something that, you know, you've been big on and if I've kind of started to, to really, to really think positively along, along your line of thinking is understanding uh, all the sequences in, in a pinball yep. game. And for a great example is like watching you play a game of black Knight. You, you had an understanding of once I start this multi-ball, I shoot X shot into X shot into X shot. And ultimately that's how I get my super jackpot. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah. understanding those shots and just the sequences of that is, is something that I'm I'm learning, and you know I think that's something that that you've brought up in the past that that is um tr tr it's a tremendous asset to understand is you know which shots should I shoot and which order should I shoot them in order to maximize my points in the fewest number of flips. Yeah, and I'm huge on that, and we talked about that a lot uh, about Black Knight before yep. Free Play Florida, and that's yeah, you're right. I forgot about that game, but. The game you're referring to, I remember that now. It's it was actually in the second round, yeah. or it might have been semifinals. Actually, game one with Bowden, Derek Price, and Bob Matthews. And I yeah, think you, just, you blew it up. Well, it was it was one of those things too that if you do understand sequencing to a lot of these games, and you kind of have that mapped out in your head, as long as you're accurate, you're. I mean, you can you can play under control, but on the fly at the same time. Like whether it's, and for Black Knight, what I figured out is, is if you stay trapped up on the left side, eventually, or you could even do this, just, I like doing this just right out of the gate, if there's any type of ball save, but you can still do this full sequence with two yep. balls trapped up on the left side. So you're basically just going to go center ramp. And then I like to personally just backhand, or I'll actually go center ramp, 
left orbit, which is that yep. spinner or yep. whatever you want to call it to the saucer, then come back. Then we'll go back into the shield and then yep. it'll come back to my right flipper again. And then that's when I can make the flail stop. Yep. And then I like doing a, I guess not necessarily like a cradle separation. It'd be like an over under to yep. complete that jackpot. And then you can just keep going from there. That'll light your level too. So yeah, it's, I mean, to me, that's so, that's so important. You almost have to understand those sequences on, um, on modern games for sure. Oh, hundred percent. And that, that's what Escher is so good at, in my opinion, he understands sequencing and he understands using multipliers and shot multipliers in line with those sequencing in order to yield the highest shot value. Oh yeah. It's deadly. There's, there's one sequence in particular on star Wars that I've noticed a lot of people don't realize, which is mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and reveal it. Now it's the, I believe it's death star. I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden it's death star. Um, the very first one, uh, rescue the princess. And so it's a hurry up that can build up to like 25 million on a shot. So with your multipliers, obviously it can be worth a lot. If you're doing 40 X out of competition, it's worth billions, but yep. in competition, even if you're at a three X or four X, it's still well worth it to where you can sequence it out to where you can match up just easy shots that it makes sense. It keeps the general flow and the ball stays relatively safe. So and it's a high value mode. It's probably the most high value mode on the entire game. And I don't see a lot of people utilizing that. So if you own a Star Wars, check out Rescue the Princess. It, it will shock you what you can do. Every time I hear somebody that's owned a uh, Star Wars and they say, well, I can't break 500, 500 million. I'm like, just, just go Leia. Leia yeah. all day, hit your ramp, hit your Hoth shot, like indoor Hoth. And then next thing you know, you can, you can uh, start Death Star if you want to, even on ball two, and you'll get spotted. I think it's like 40 or 60 million just for picking it, which a lot of people don't realize. And then on top of that, you can play rescue the princess as your mode number one. So it's, yeah, you can do stuff like that. And I was, I was able to do that a couple of times at pin masters, which really yeah. helped. But then there was other times I couldn't hit a damn shot and it didn't even matter. And I just, yeah, <laughs> No, that's kind of how that game is. And, you know, in head-to-head -head format, it can be killer, especially if the other person doesn't really know the rules. I mean, you can you can choose Leia, shoot, shoot, shoot your mode, start shots, and that guy's got no chance if he has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, and it's just, gosh, I it was really rough because I remember I was playing uh, Robert uh, Gagno in the second round. I think it was second or third. No, second round at uh, Nationals this year, and I picked Star Wars, and... I could tell he didn't know the rule set because he picked Luke and <laughs> he told me the reason he picked Luke and I forgot what it was, but I mean, everybody knows that typically in competition play, you want to avoid Luke as much as possible, just because the yeah. points it's the, uh, the game's drainy and you can't get points very fast with them. And just the way the modes are set up, but yet he, so legit, I picked Leia and I hit maybe three shots and then had the Hoss shot just go around really fast, straight down the middle drain. And I was done, right? <laughs> and the sequence took all of about 12 seconds and, or maybe even less than that. It might've just been 10 seconds. And Robert came up and he played for legit, maybe three minutes with Luke. I mean, he was keeping the ball alive and he came out of it with maybe 28 million, oh, 25. Like there was just nothing there, yeah. but yeah. he, 
but I couldn't hit the broadside of Barn. He ended up beating me that game. I had Leia, and he had Luke. Yeah, and he beat me that game. I think I ended if, up only if you're playing If you're playing the percentages, I would say ninety percent of the time in that situation you would have won. So oh gosh, yeah. When I saw him pick Luke, I was like, okay, we're good. Like I, I was <laughs> confident. And then after ball three, I was like, oh shit, I didn't do this yeah. right. Uh, that's that's how it goes sometimes. That's I mean it it gets, it just gets rough. It, I I like whenever I play, I have a confidence. Like no matter who I'm playing, I think I'm gonna win just because I absolutely hate losing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, before tournaments, I know that there's a possibility there of me losing. And a lot of tournaments to me, if you're, it's like the Ricky Bobby thing. If you're not first, you're last. Cause obviously you yeah. have to take first to win the tournament. Well, more times than not, you're not going to take first. Yeah. But I like to think that I'm going to take first every single time. Like no matter who I'm playing, just because I feel like if you have that type of confidence, even if your ability is nowhere near who you're playing or against whoever, yep. I feel like at least having that positive mindset and positive thinking, you're not going to let stuff rattle you. You're going to tend to get into a flow state a lot easier in the games. I feel like that's really important. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, I think one thing that's been amazing in watching your transformation is, you know, you've, you've been playing, like I think you said in your introduction podcast, you know, two or three years. But you're yep. but you're playing at a, you're you're starting to reach the level of, of of you know super super high level of pinball in such a short time. So that 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 kind of stuff always interests me in the kind of understanding you know how you got you know how you got good this quickly. And I think you know it kind of gets back to your athletic background um, and and just being competitive. But you know I think it's also you know it's you know I feel like you're passionate about all the stuff you're doing. And, you know, that, that helps go a long way as well. And you, you try to get an understanding of, you know, the rule sets and, and watching video and all that stuff. Yeah. It was just, you know, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was basically last year when I decided I was going to, because I enjoyed competitive pinball so much, I wanted to go play the best players I could possibly play. So I was traveling out of, out of Oklahoma a lot and it was two things that happened in a row. It was one, me being up at Pentastic, which was a pop a card format as well. Mm-hmm. And legitimately on Black Knight, a game that I'm very comfortable on, I ended up, I only needed like 13 or 14 million to qualify with my card. Turn around, got six. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And there was even a ball save on, and yeah. there was even rubbers on. <laughs> I just, just totally just shit the bed. I couldn't believe it. And so. Yeah. And that was my last game. I had no more time to qualify. So that was a little bit discouraging. And I think I ended up being like two spots out of A. So that was really frustrating. And then Pinburg, which we talked about earlier, I just totally blew up there. It was just, it was so bad. And I, and I was really confident going into that because I played in the Pin Masters the night before. And legitimately, I don't think I even played the last three holes to that because we ran out of time. Mm-hmm. but I was, I think they ended up giving me a 10 on each hole <laughs> afterwards too. And I still ended up qualifying or qualifying and still ended up finishing like right in the middle of the field. So I, it would have been one of those things I would have put in a top five score. So I was really confident going into Pinburg, but knowing how bad I played and knowing that I could have done better, it just kind of drove me a little bit more to change sure. some stuff up, mainly yeah. my stance. And we talked about that as well. Like oh, yeah. when I, when I came into Cleveland, I ended up taking a more upright stance that was more loose, not as tense. 
Yep. And I felt like it helped me a lot more stay calm while I was playing and everything. And then that's when we, we talked about it a little bit more after that tournament, I felt like, okay, I feel loose. I feel calm. I don't feel like my nudging ability is there though, because I'd get out of yep. control because my feet were so close together anyways. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I often found you, you know, you were so you're such an accurate shooter, which I think, you know, is one of your, one of your biggest strengths, but you, you obviously you're going to miss. And, and when you miss, you have to nudge. And I, I, I did find that you were <laughs> off balance when you were nudging just because of how narrow your feet were. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you've, you've made those changes and, you know, ultimately you're comfortable now with, uh, you know, your stance that you're in. And, uh, it, it sounds weird for the listeners who are thinking, you know, we're talking about stance, but, uh, no, man, it's, it's important to be balanced and be, be able to nudge the machine both from the left and the right and, and ultimately not lose your, your balance. Cause then there's been times where I've seen players make amazing saves and their, their hand comes off the flipper and, yep. and they have to, in order to, to save that ball, they needed their hand on the flipper you know, to have the ball hit it and ultimately just, just keep it from draining. And I've seen it numerous times where, you know, someone's lost their balance and they're, they missed the flip and the ball's done. I've seen people legit fall down on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like it, yeah. It, it plays so much. And yeah, as soon as I got done playing, I was thinking about it, about what I could have done better. And it dawned on me, I was thinking about it from a baseball standpoint. I'm like, I don't filled a ground ball with my feet close together. I don't get into a power position whenever I'm hitting and getting ready, ready to launch my hands and go into rotation and all that stuff without being in an athletic position. So I decided I was going to take a semi-athletic position, a little bit wider stance and a little bit offset. So I'm actually anchored down because I got terrible knees. Like I legit got the knees of an 80 year old. (laughs) If if Bob Matthews challenged me to a sprint, I would lose. That's how yeah. bad my knees are. Like I'm just terrible with that. But yeah, I got a little bit wider stance and it felt like I had more control over yeah. the ball. Like it felt like I could actually get my nudges down and all that. And yeah, it's just, and it's one of those things like we talked about, the better at nudging you are and keeping the ball in play, yeah. the more opportunities you have to shoot. And then For if sure. you do happen to be accurate, the more points, the more progression you're going to make. And you know, the more fun you're going to have ultimately yeah. too. It's a lot more For fun sure. to keep the ball in play. For sure. And it, here's another, another thing just to bring up. And, you know, I would like, I, I'd like to, you know, to actually get some feedback from, from your listeners on this is, you know, how can we bring more, more players of, you know, in, into pinball who have the athletic ability? Cause I mean, I mean, there's, I play with, you know, all these top guys from a basketball standpoint, a, a track standpoint, a baseball standpoint, growing up, there's colleges all around the country, you know, with, with athletes who, you know, once they, once they're done, they're, they're probably playing pickup ball. They're probably playing some golf I and mean, whatever they're playing. I, how, how can we get those, those type of players interested in the pinball and ultimately competing at the highest level? I think that's, that's a question in, in an area that, uh, you know, I, I think there is a lot of growth there. And I, I'd hope to see maybe the IFPA or, you know, all these, all these local um, locations trying to, to, to make a push to, to identify, um, you know, these type of people. Uh, in order to grow the competitive scene even more. Yeah, and I, I think you're exactly right. I feel like if a lot of ex-athletes got into pinball, you yeah. would see a massive shift in the way pinball is just because the hand-eye coordination and the accuracy. Like, I do wish I was able to start pinball at a younger age. Like, I, I already forgot how old I was when I started. I think I was 32, yeah. 33. I'm 36 now, so it's been relatively late in my life. Well, not late, but later than a lot of people. And I've 
often wonder where I could have been if I would have started at 18 or 22. But yeah, I agree. It, especially if you get somebody that's right out of college that doesn't go on to play professionally or no, that, that's, that's how I was. I mean, I, mean I, yeah. I took my, I took my, I played college, I ran college track. I played college basketball, um, enjoyed that time. But, but I, I knew that, you know, once I was done, uh, I was done. Right. And, um, yep. you know, I wanted to find something else to, to be competitive at. And if I'm going to do something, I want to do it at the highest level. So finding something like pinball, um, you know, was, was a godsend for me because it, it, it allows me to travel across the country. I still get that same feeling I got when I was a kid doing the same thing for sports. And now it's just, just pinball. And at the same time, I'm, I'm meeting amazing people. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot, I'm having fun and, and I'm competing at the highest level, which is ultimately my end goal. So, you know, I, I'd love to see other people have, you know, have that same opportunity and get that same drive. Cause I, I, I think it's there. It's just, um, we have to, as a pinball community really do a better job of um, really, you know, having these kids learn you know, having these people, these young, young uh, ex-athletes learn, uh, you know, what makes pinball special and uh, ultimately, you know, how, how to get better. Yeah. And I think I, I got the feeling that once all this COVID stuff finishes out, or obviously just tends to let us be able to get back out to tournaments, to events and all that, I'm yeah. hoping that, the tournaments will continue to grow because it felt like we were on a path to growth, especially when we analyzed the IFPA numbers or the oh, amount yeah, of we, people we did, that were. Yeah, we did that analysis. I forgot about that. And... Yeah, and I just, I hope that it stays on there. I'm, I'm a little bit worried with some of the places that are closing down right now, but I'm yeah. hoping other times it'll pick up the slack. But ultimately, I mean, you're right. It's just getting anybody in the pinball would be great, but I really feel like if somehow a lot of these places could kind of advertise it as such. Cause you, you have a lot of ex athletes. They'll go play slow pitch softball oh, or something sure, like yeah. that. Like co-ed, that's a huge thing. I, I always wondered what if a facility would advertise to those types of people that says, yeah. Hey, you're not able to play this in the winter time. Why don't you come in here and, yeah. you know, keep your group together to me. No, no, for sure. No and, and I've, I've seen there's a lot of people who you know, once they play and, and they kind of they kind of realize that hey each each game is different each game has has a different you know different rule sets and, and different objectives and challenges you know that's what makes pinball so amazing to me I mean I could play Call of Duty and it's it's the same it's I know I know it's different at some points but it's the same type of thing over and over again to me pinball I mean each new game it's it's like we're, I'm a kid in the candy store trying to understand. Uh, you know, the rule sets and, you know, where the shot multipliers are, where the, where the multi balls are, all that stuff. And, you know, that's to me is what makes, what makes pinball so special. Yeah. It's, it's a guarantee that you will, <laughs> you will constantly have to learn in pinball, especially just to keep up the rule sets. I mean, everybody, oh, you sure. have, you have to brush up all the time. No. And I, I feel like once COVID ends here, um, you know, I haven't played turtles. I haven't played hot wheels yet. I mean, there's like, there's like three or four games I haven't even played. So I'm going to be oh, trying to figure gosh. out, figure out the rules to those games. And then, you know, you know, Stern's coming out with their next game here in the next month or two and Jersey Jack's the same way and Chicago gaming. I mean, these games are going to keep, keep coming out. So from a tournament perspective, um, you know, there's a lot of games to learn here. It's, it's going to be interesting. The first tournament back, I, I got the feeling there's going to be, it's going to be a lot of people I would imagine. Yeah, it's, there's going to be a lot of people there, yeah. and there's probably going to be about five people that know all the new pins. They know exactly how to play them. They're just annihilating them. I won't say who it is on the stream, just or on the podcast, out of respect for him, but <laughs> there's one top player in particular 
that I talk to often that they are absolutely annihilating games and they are, it's set up not easy. I mean, not like Pinberg style, but it's not easy. And I'm just like, I tell them all the time, I'm never picking this game against you. And if you, <laughs> if you end up getting this game in our group, I'm just going to like, I recognize I'm probably playing for second place and that's not, <laughs> not having confidence. That's just being realistic and not trying to do too much and overextend, but yeah. So, oh, sure. I, so I'm thinking about the people that are playing right now that are getting so much better. And I'm curious to see what happens. Cause I got a feeling that there's a lot of people out there, even people names that we don't know yet. And people that oh, yeah. might not have played a division that's going to show up and they're probably going to kick a lot of ass. I, I mean, I could see somebody no, doing that. that. That that that's what makes this hobby special. I mean, I, you you go to tournaments and you know there'll be a lot of the top names that you're used to seeing. But every now and then, these tournaments, there's always one or two guys that you're like, you know, who is this guy? You know, Alexander Kazmarkic, I think is how you say his name. It was one of those guys that kind of, you know, he came out of the blue and now he's one of the top ten players in the world. I, you know, he was at the Power 100 tournament and yeah, his flipper skills were some of the best I've ever seen. So. You know, yeah, there there are guys you know who are you know, who are coming up quickly, and uh, you know, I, I would like to, uh, that'd be an awesome interview if you can get one of those younger guys just to to kind of get their mindset and uh, you know how they think about this and, and how they actually go about uh, improving their game. Yeah, I would be really curious about that. I'd be curious to see how they learn the rule sets because I have yeah. my way of learning the rule sets that I haven't talked about yet, and I'm curious to see how they do it. For sure. Everyone's different. Um, I mean, for me, I'm more of a visual learner. So I always like to kind of play the game once or twice and then and then I'll read the, the rule set on tilt forums and um, I'll read the rule sets from, you know, all the stern readmes that they post on the updates and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious as well as to as to how people, um, you know, actually take in the rule sets and, you know, how, how they're thinking about this. If I had a guess for Escher, I, I think he's trying to identify where uh, are the shot multipliers? How do the shot multipliers work? And if are there play field multipliers? And if so, how do those work? And then ultimately, is there a way to combine those play field multipliers and shot multipliers in order to have a huge payout? See, I think he just sees it like Neo sees the matrix. <laughs> that's all it is. Just downloads into his brain and he's good to go. I mean, it's yep. that's amazing how that happens. And it's, it's funny too, because man, that's just, you know, it, it's so strange because I feel like it's the most obvious skill that somebody needs to develop is rule set knowledge. Yet I feel yeah. like it's the most underutilized skill. No, for sure. I, it's, like, I'm always amazed at these big tournaments and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I, I don't know these rule sets amazing or like, like the back of my hand, like I should. Um, but no, there, there's a lot of people who, who just don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And they, they rely on their flipper skills, which, you know, that's kind of what I do sometimes, but you know, I, I know for example, um, when I was playing, I think it was uh, at Indisc, I picked the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean against Raymond Davidson, and I, I knew he wasn't familiar with the game, and and that that was kind of the you know, you know, you know, that was my advantage on him, and mm -hmm. ultimately I was able to to beat him on that. But uh, I know he wasn't comfortable on it, and it's it's crazy. I think that that the number one player in the world, you know, he wasn't he wasn't that comfortable on on a game. But that's the reality of the situation sometimes. Yeah, it just goes to show you, there's just so many out there that yep. it's, I mean, it's so difficult, but you know, especially the more moderns that comes out, I think what I find that's really difficult 
with playing in these tournaments is not necessarily if there's a new modern there it's mm -hmm. if it's one of the older moderns yeah it just sure. randomly shows up that i haven't played in a long time i don't have access to that is a layered rule set that's what for i sure. find i have the yeah. most difficulty with by yeah, far definitely and, and yeah i have that same difficulty and i also have the same difficulty of you know is, is a is is a new game what 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 format is it in is, is it in the uh you know, is it, you know, is it set up as, as a tournament setup? Is it set up as just, you know, competition install, just normal, you know, knowing all those differences, um, I'll be the first one to say, I don't know them all, but, uh, you know, if you do, that, that can be a huge, huge competitive advantage. Yeah. And I mean, that is, that's really important. Just comp installs. And I know I played on one with uh, Jurassic park at the Houston expo last mm -hmm. November. And I, I'm pretty sure it was on comp install yet. I had no clue. What was going yep. on? I thought I knew that game, and I was just like, Whoops. I don't know. I'll be happy with my 35 million. Somehow it won, but I had no clue. It was, it played a lot different than what I expected. Speaking sure. of that, speaking of that game, huge shout out to Keith and Stern on that one. That to me, that's uh, that's the best pinball machine that I've ever played. Honestly, the the combination of you know the the shots and how how unique they are uh, as as long or as well as the the rule sets. It's the layering of the rule sets of, of that game is tremendous, and the amount of of paths that a player can take is, is you know what really makes that game special. And uh, just the amount of different ways to to score to score a large sum of points. I mean the the balancing of that game that there there's so many different strategies, and that that's what keeps me as a tournament player coming back. So. Props to Stern and to, to Keith on on Jurassic Park and Iron Maiden for that matter. Yeah, they both play. I mean, obviously they both play different, but they both play similar in the sense that you can attack it from different standpoints. Whereas sure. when I've been playing Turtles and trying to figure that out, I, I feel like that there's just two ways to basically play it. Because we were talking about this earlier, that layer shot with yeah. the training. <laughs> like, it's just... It's I, oh, gosh. Like... Like we were talking about earlier, I feel like one of my strengths is accuracy mm -hmm. and I work on it a lot. Like I have an actual practice regiment that I work on with different shots, different skills. And with the layer shot, I decided, okay, I'm going to take 100 shots at, at this. I want to see how tough it actually is. I went 18 for 100. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just a, that's an insanely low percentage. And then if, if you think about where that, that shot is set up on, on the play field, you're probably only shooting it from the left or sorry for the right flipper. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, well, at uh, least from a cradle and now a cradle, I have two balls in the left. Yeah. Now I wasn't counting that okay, all, yeah, 100, yeah. all 100 shots were from the from right. cradle from the right. Yeah. Which, but, I mean, that, that's going to lead to horizontal motion and, and horizontal motion has a higher likelihood of draining. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not liking that 18% uh, percent no. on that shot at all. Mm -hmm. that, that's probably a shot in a tournament that I would, uh, I would avoid unless I was in a multi-ball. I think it's a sucker shot now. I, I, there's just no way. I've looked at it compared to the way Star Trek is. And Star Trek, especially if you look at the pictures, just yeah. it can fall in there. And the way that it's angled, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to stay in there. Whereas that angle that, you know, I'm talking about, it's like a little 45, oh, sure. maybe. Yep. It's, it's just not there yeah. on layer. So yeah. it's just, I find myself trapping up the ball more times than not by accident with the upper flipper. And I can't get <laughs> it to fall in. Like, it's just just not going to happen, but I'm going to yeah. try it again. I'm crazy enough. I'm going to go for another 100. I may even go for a thousand because <laughs> I mean, everything else on it's broke right now and I'm waiting on. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. I, I know there's been a lot of, 
a lot of issues out of the box for not just you, but for other other turtles, LE owners. So hopefully Stern gets gets that figured out, and because uh, the game looks amazing, the 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 uh, layout's awesome. Yeah. I love the upper left flipper. That that's something that I wish was on more games. And uh, yeah, it just it looks like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm super excited to to hop on one. It's a fun game. I mean, outside of the layer shot, just that that one shot or the training shot, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'll call it the training shot. It it just everything else it, it goes well together it really does i i just wish that i if they would have or if borg would have been able to design that shot just a little bit more accessible yeah i honestly think it probably would have been a top 10 game of wow. all time yeah i mean no, I, I can see that I mean, combination of you know theme um shot layout uh the, fl- the flow looks amazing combination of, of unique shots with the upper flipper uh, art package by by Zombie Yeti was phenomenal. So yeah, there's, it, that game has so much going for it. It is so sick in person. It is. <laughs> I'm, I'm it pumped is to, to hop on one. My my friend Larry, I think, got an LE. Some um, he hasn't unboxed it yet. Someone might go over there once uh, I, I get my house situation figured out and can move out of my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your roommate's house? Is that what yeah, you my, mean? <laughs> my my roommate's house exactly. <laughs> well. Larry's in for quite the surprise when he unboxes that. <laughs> so, I, I've, I've let him know that I, I let him know that there there could be potential issues out of the box, and uh, we'll have to rectify those. Oh god, and it's it's so disappointing too because I have to believe that Stern did their Whitewood mm-hmm. uh, correctly. I think that's what's called the White yep. yeah Whitewood, and I have to think that obviously they wouldn't have gone forward if everything was working fine. So it's just I hate that whoever actually assembled that turtle van diverter yeah basically just for whatever reason either didn't show up to work or <laughs> what the hell happened but yeah. i i feel terrible for borg and for sullivan because yeah like obviously that's not their fault no not at all i, I wonder i wonder if COVID had any impact on that and just kind of the factory shut down and and then you know how many of these same employees uh how many yeah. of those people came back i mean i i have no idea i'm just throwing stuff out there but that that, that could be a reason and Maybe yeah. it's been fixed, hopefully. I, I hope so. For the premium people or for people that are just now getting their LE, I really do. Because it's yeah. it's so weird. It's in a spot where it's below a plastic, so you wouldn't know if something weird was happening. The only reason yeah. why I knew is because balls just kept getting stuck up there. I'm like, why is this happening? And sure enough, I found my diverter completely dug into the ramp. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. But there is still one thing that is is off on it and i'm not sure if they fixed this yet because i know a new code actually dropped tonight okay, uh, wow. and as as this recording and what happens is is I, I and i know you haven't played it yet so i'm trying to find a way to easily easily <laughs> explain this basically the right ramp is a multi-ball yep. right you yep, hit it yep. four times you'll start a yep. multi-ball mm-hmm. and it's supposed to go into the diverter with the turtle van if you're on an le or premium okay. if you're on a yep. pro it won't go in there you don't have to worry about it well, what happens is, is in the middle of your multi-ball, the game will automatically start reloading that turtle van. So a ball will go into the shooter lane, automatically plunge up there to get relocked on there, right? Yep. Sounds cool in theory. The problem is it's happening in, in the middle of your multi-ball. So if you hit the right ramp while that's happening, it's it, going to yeah. think it's, it's the ball. It's not going to give you credit, yeah. No, it will It'll get stuck in the diverter. Oh, and it'll yeah, gotcha. take the ball away. Oh, like it's, yes. it's like it's just gone. Uh, so I find my, yeah, I found myself, I figured that out 
within game two. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And so now I found myself having to actively pay attention to when that turtle van is reloading itself and not hit a right ramp shot. So if you're playing on the fly, I, I haven't heard anybody else talk about that for whatever reason. Maybe I'm the only person (laughs) that's done this, but, but yeah, for some reason it just, it just, it steals my ball. I'm not happy yeah, that, about it. That's weird. It's crazy to think because I mean I know you know there's always some issues out the box, but I mean I go back to my Sopranos machine. We bought that thing in 2006. Uh, I, I clean it, you know, every couple hundred plays with with just you know all the normal novice stuff. Um, and I I haven't had that, that thing works like it, it literally have had no issues. I mean the safe doesn't always register anymore, but uh, other than that, I, I've had no issues. I'm four thousand games deep into that game, so that's. Just kind of, I guess it's luck of the draw. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to that because my walking dead and what else do I got pirates. Yep. No issues ever. And now yeah. I didn't get those new in box either. Yeah. No issues at all. It's interesting. It, it, yeah. Avengers, no issues until literally yesterday <laughs> or two days ago. Cause I've been the grim reaper for pinball machines locally. All my pens have been going down. Anything I touch, even on location, they go down. Going down. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, I, it's I have the magic touch. That's one of the things that can hold back pinball from growth is you know the the high cost to, to buying these machines. Obviously, can, can be a challenge, and um, it, it's really frustrating when you go on location and the games don't play don't play well. So that's that's another thing that can that can you know sway people from from getting or it can make people annoyed and just kind of you know forget about it. Yeah, it's very true, and that's that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, for sure. sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that soon. Dom, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Interesting discussion. Lots of great insight. No, yeah, I appreciate you having me. And uh, like I said earlier on the podcast, I'm fully supportive of everything that you're doing from a a pinball standpoint. I think the the ideas that we've talked about, uh, you know, in our our messages together uh, are are amazing. And I, I look forward to seeing what you do um, in terms of growing pinball um, from a competitive standpoint and just, you know, the hobby in general. So um, if I, you know, my recommendation is, you know, I, you know, j- j- just to keep up the hard work and uh, I know I'm watching this stuff and uh, I think everyone else uh, will, will, will surely follow soon uh, as the, as the good content continues to come out. Well, I appreciate it. And hopefully once Pinberg happens again, I'll have you there coaching me and get my ass out of C division. <laughs> Actually, I'm B restricted now. So we're there fine. Go. We, we got to get me out of B division. That's what it is. There you go. Hi, awesome. Dom. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you so thank, much. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate it too.